where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode and this time we're talking about season 8 episode 12 uh, which is called Sam Ahoy and I'm Barry and with me is James. I'm James, Sam Ahoy, there be Sam, indeed. It aired on the 14th of December 1989. It's directed by James Burroughs and written by David Lloyd, a classic combination there. Lovely stuff. So how does this one start then, James? Uh, it starts yeah, quite simply, really, is that uh, Woody wants to leave work, not quitting Cheers, just finishing his shift, you know. Rebecca scolds him for trying to uh, leave work less than his designated 40 hours per week. Uh, <laughs> she, she won't let him do that. However, she will let him leave uh, when he is to drive her to pick up her new car, which yeah. is... Uh, Quite odd. And also she wants uh, her appointment for for a Manny Petty, but she's still annoyed that he wants time off. And did then you just did you just say Manny Petty? As in manicure pedicure. Manny Petty. Yeah. Is that is that the I've never heard that well, obviously oh, well, from I've, cheers, but I'm pretty sure it's a thing. <laughs> well I've I've had a uh, a manicure, but uh, and that was purely I shouldn't say this with any shame, but it was purely to help out a friend of mine who was studying beauty. Yeah. And they had loads of uh, females to practice on because by the nature of the industry, but they very rarely uh, got any men to practice on. They needed it for their assessment. So I I don't know biology well enough, but is there a different level of keratin in men's nails or something? Or is that just not you, a thing? You've taken this to a very scientific level. I, I imagine my my nails might be slightly more unkempt <laughs> than the average lady. I don't know. They're yeah. not bad. I, I'm not. I'm not a chewer. Uh, no, uh, I imagine your your this this isn't an insult. I just know you play guitar, so therefore your fingers might be quite calloused. Uh, yeah, yeah, they were, they certainly yeah. were at the time. I was playing yeah. a lot more then. Yeah. Um, I do the odd bit of DIY now. Mm. Maybe that uh, has an effect. But yeah, it was a pleasant experience and my my nails were very shiny afterwards. That's I, my takeaway. That is the main main thing, isn't it? The shininess. Yeah. Lovely. So that's what she's doing. Uh, <laughs> Woody, Woody has other plans, which I think are, well, she thinks they're very wholesome as well because she kind of feels ashamed as to how self-motivated her plans are in comparison to Woody's plans. Yes, Woody's a... Turns out he's very altruistic. He uh, he has all sorts of um, extracurricular goings on to help out the planet, people in need. It just he seems to be a do-gooder all round. Yeah, he's he's got the kind of meals on wheels thing, you know, cooking for the elderly. He's also doing a walkathon for illiteracy, which I assume is being sponsored to walk, and there and the money goes to educating children to read. Yeah, he does clarify that it, he's for he's against illiteracy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a walkathon for illiteracy. We won't stop until no one can read. <laughs> uh, and recycling, uh, so the world can be clean for children. Mm. And uh, also uh, volunteers for a suicide hotline as well. Yes, Rebecca makes the fairly predictable joke that going, "Oh, well, you're making me feel so." Guilty, you know. I, I want to kill myself, and he goes, "Well, here's here's a number you can call." Yeah, we do good things. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
it's a short little cold open, very inconsequential, uh, mm-hmm. but I think a nice one. It is interesting to see uh, see more about what Woody's what Woody's doing. Yeah, yeah, it's another notch in the the loveliness. Yeah, uh, stakes for for Woody. Exactly. Yeah. So we move into the main episode. Sam arrives at the bar wearing a nifty suit, and he's talking about trying to buy back the bar. You know, Sam in a suit, Ted in a suit, suit Ted, suit Ted. Yeah, that's the word. Uh, always, always a good sight. He suits up well, that boy. This is something which has been going on for a little while now. Sam trying to buy back Cheers. Obviously, the corporation isn't just going to be like, yeah, I have it. You know, we don't, we don't need it anymore. So they're asking for, for quite a lot of capital, aren't they? Uh, mm. On investment. A lot of zeros is all we, we gather from the amount. But it's yep. it's a lot. Can't move for zeros. So obviously, Sam um, needs to find investors to make that money up. The patrons of the bar uh, aren't considered. Uh, Sam doesn't want to take money. Sam says he's already invested some of his own money uh, in order to make this happen. But that money was simply to buy the suit. A thousand dollars. A thousand dollars on a suit. Oh, I mean. Uh- I know suits can be that, but surely you could go half the price and it still look pretty good. <laughs> you know, you could you could you could nip down to your local charity shop and buy a a well worn uh, old man suit that they've uh, held on to. No, I I do like going into the vintage stores. Uh, I once got a denim jacket, and inside it were three items which painted a picture. Right. Uh, they were a brush and a new, no. <laughs> um, they were uh, glasses, someone's reading glasses, a McDonald's coupon, which expired in 1998, Ooh. and an ID card for Mary, uh, who worked for a homeless charity. Oh. Uh, and I went, I feel I know Mary so well. And I know it was Mary's jacket because in the ID, she was wearing said glasses. Oh, Wow. Yeah. There's a little, little, every item of clothing you buy should have a little history attached to it like that. Yes, I think so. It's lovely. I, I bought a car once and um, had similar things. I actually had a McDonald's, you know, the stickers they used to do, the Monopoly things. Had a oh, half, yeah. Half-filled in card at McDonald's. Yeah. Um, and a few little items like the glasses you had. Yeah. And also someone's college dissertation uh, under the back seat. Oh, I was going to say in a... In a jacket. Wow, that's uh, <laughs> that's quite the find. A college mm. dissertation. What was the subject? Oh, what? this was this was years or, ago. Uh, or the field, I, I guess. I didn't. I don't think I had the energy uh, to read it. At the time. <laughs> Although I think I did keep it in the car for quite some time. Just you um, know, a bit of light reading if you're stuck on the highway. <laughs> it just felt like a like a memory, like a yeah. a plaque on a on a park bench. Yeah. I wanted to honour that boy. Exactly. Speaking of honouring, because uh, I can't think of a better segue, Robin enters Cheers. He, mm. He's got security guard in tow. And this security guard tells Robin not to walk in front of him uh, and that he knows people at Cheers. I'll get on to how this is honouring in a bit. I'm just giving you context. <laughs> um, it's like, yeah, I've got to have security uh, because basically... He has a lot of investments. He is quite the entrepreneur in a lot of areas. As such, and given various political actions at the time, 
he's not the most popular among certain individuals. Mm-hmm. If you are involved in mining yeah. uh, in in most countries, it would feel like, yeah. um, then there's always a bit of controversy with those things. Exactly. Uh, as such, uh, well, there's a hit list against against him, isn't there? People mm. are sending death threats. So he's got a security team, and most of the people at Cheers work <laughs> for that security team. Yeah, that's it's a it's a really good scene when um, Sam says, "Oh, he's only got one person. He can't be that important." And then the entire bar seems to get up and walk out once it's clear. Yeah, exactly. And I think all that's left after that is Norm Cliff. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the people who live there. <laughs> but in terms of honouring. He mentions that he was going to take his boat out on on, on the boat race, mm. uh, um, and he has to get whisked away quickly because essentially his miners are are rebelling. So he has to go and get a briefcase of cash to fling at them. Uh, so he has to leave immediately, and that's his solution, which I think is a bit of foreshadowing, really, which we'll get on to. But mm. the honouring is that there's a boat that he's got named Rebecca. Yes. Yes, um, which which leads to uh, a number of uh, Rebecca gags. Rebecca has to pay Carla off uh, in order to stop her taking the Mickey. So where is the boat now? Oh, we just uh, got Rebecca out of dry dock, scraping the barnacles off her bottom. Not one word. <laughs> you know, this is a bar. I'm free to say whatever I want. I'll give you five dollars. Mum's the word. <laughs> Yes, I'm uh, preparing to sail her in the Cape Cod regatta this afternoon. Oh, fast boat, huh? Yes, you won't find one faster than Rebecca. <clears throat> Sir, this just came over the fax in the limousine. Damn it, my bauxite miners are threatening me with a wildcat strike at midnight unless I negotiate with them personally. Bauxite, eh? That's the stuff they make missile casings out of, isn't it? Don't cut this guy off in traffic. <laughs> Them, I'm on my way and fill a briefcase full of cash. Eh? Yes, sir. Drought, there goes the race. I mean, I spent all that time cleaning Rebecca up and now I can't get her out of her slip. That's worth ten bucks if it's worth a nickel. It writes itself, doesn't it? It does. My cousin has a boat and it's called Jezebel. It was a bit awkward when I asked what this word meant. So, you know, and the jokes, as I say, kind of wrote themselves after that. <laughs> yeah. Robin cannot race. Yep. Um, and this leads uh, Sam to uh, think, well, he could race it and he could win the money. I think Carla suggests it to him, yep. um, which leads to a, a bit of a monologue from Sam imagining how he's going to approach Robin and broach this subject. And it, it gets quite heated, uh, this sort of imaginary back and forth. Sam invents his own sort of battle uh, where Sam is the downtrodden nobody uh, that Robin obviously has no respect for. Sammy, why don't you sail Robin's boat? You could really use the money. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to give his fancy boat named after my fat aunt to you. <laughs> well, you can ask him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, you know, he'll probably laugh at me and yeah. say, why should I give you my boat? But then I could say, well, you know, it's, uh, it's a business deal. And if I win, then you'll have this, uh, this beautiful trophy. Yeah, of course, then he'll probably 
look at me and say, why should I give a yutz like you my fancy boat? Well, I'd say, uh, you, hey, listen to me. I, you know, I happen to be a very good sailor. As a matter of fact, in 83, I came close to winning that race. And where do you get off calling me a yutz? You don't even know me. And he'd probably say, I may not know you, but I know you're kind. You know, that would really tick me off. So I'd say, hey, I'll tell you something. Well, how about you just step outside with me? Uh, I'm thinking, Sam, uh, Rebecca tells me you're a sailor. Why don't you race my boat? Oh, sure, yeah, great. <laughs> hey, I happen to be a very good sailor. Yes, yeah, fine. And I'm not a yutz. <laughs> good for you, Sam. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Sam, race my boat. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think Sam's quite taken aback by that. Yeah, exactly. And also, because I don't think Robin is that concerned about whether the boat wins. It's just a plaything to him, isn't it? Exactly. If he's got as much money as we suspect he has, then uh, one boat in one race with a measly prize is not going to be of too much interest to him. Yeah. However, this uh, gets escalated when news spreads to Gary, who is not appearing in this episode, but news does spread to Gary. And as a result, wagers become mm. abound. Yeah. Yes. And uh, this wager quickly escalates from the $5 that Cliff suggests it might be to $500, which just so happens to be the exact <laughs> amount that's in Fraser's pocket. Yeah. You don't go around telling people you got $500 in your pocket. Mm. That's enough to buy half a suit. <laughs> yes, the, the jacket at least. Yeah, yeah and he's he's been given this money from Lilith uh, in order to invest in guilt bonds for his little boy. But of course, uh, the uh, we know that this is ultimately going to be he's going to be persuaded to put this on the race, and he does. He sets it up. Gary gives them five to one odds if they stake five hundred. So essentially, they've paid Gary five hundred dollars. If Sam loses, Gary keeps five hundred. If Sam wins. Gary gives them more money. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, it, it is. Yeah, that's how a bet works, isn't it? <laughs> There's a lovely conversation, a lovely little gag when Fraser is on the phone to Lilith and he gaslights her, claiming that he never received the money. I thought it was a bit gaslighty. Yeah. Mm, What's um, that you can smell? Mm, smells like... <laughs> don't light it. And... He he basically asks her to keep looking through the house. You know, maybe it's under the sofa, and he puts yeah, the phone I, down. I just, like the fact is, goes no, I haven't seen five hundred dollars. Have you checked under the sofa? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not loose change. <laughs> and his, his lovely line at the end, where he puts the phone down, and says, "Or maybe in your web." <laughs> <laughs> He's a duplicitous fellow at times, isn't he? No, oh, yeah. So yes, that that money becomes part of the bet. And then we, we queue to uh, the boat. Yes. Before we go on to the boat, let's talk about the uh, the cast, because we've seen all the major players thus far. We've got Roger Reese as Robin Colcord, Tim Cunningham as Tim, Patrick Maguire as Security Man. He also appeared in The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas and Murder-in-Law, unrelated films. <laughs> Stephen Burks as Aid. He also appeared in Cocaine and Blue Eyes. That's one film. Saint Elsewhere, Freddy's Nightmares, Dragnet, McGee and Me, Murphy Brown, and more. David List is uncredited as Drinker. 
This is his only acting role, but he was a second AC for The Sweeper, Skyscraper, Pure Danger, and Dark Breed. He is mostly known for being a post-production assistant, color assistant, assistant editor, production coordinator, and fart coordinator for South Park. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a cracking role. He is currently one of their producers. He was also an assistant editor for Team America World Police. Philip Pillman is uncredited as Phil. Oh, some people get all the best jobs, don't they, James? <laughs> what do you do? Well, have a fart coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> so we're on the boat. Sam has wrangled a ragtag crew of people who are joining him for, uh, well, versatile reasons. Uh, Carla's... Actually, I can't remember why Carla and Norma are joining. Carla's joined because Sam said something like, you used to being around sailors. sailors yes. Uh, and Norm... Norm was a Coast Guard, apparently, or had some Coast Guard experience in the past. That is a surprise. Mm, isn't it just? Yeah. Well, there you go. Our first view of the boat, before we cut to it, is the bar are watching it on TV. Yes. And it becomes apparent that uh, Rebecca, the boat, is in last place. And then we cut to the boat. And at this point, Norm and Carla have already given up and are drinking beer in the... Uh, what would you call that? Cooler, cool box. Not, I, I realised, and that's where the beer is. <laughs> where are they? Oh, I see. <laughs> in the, the the galley. Is it the galley? Yeah, the the, the main sitting area. Mm. Yeah, where you would sit in a in a yacht when you don't want the breeze. Yeah, yeah. let's call it a galley. Um, yeah. What do you call it in a caravan? Because it's much the same thing, isn't it? The, the, what do you call it in the caravan? The living room. Yeah. <laughs> so why isn't it a living room on a boat? Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, in the internal, internal, ooh, the interior area. Yeah. So they're having a beer, as, uh, as, as always. And Sam is keen to keep the race up, um, but they're not really showing any interest. No, no. What they do is they sit there. Norm has finished his his box of beer. Uh, So he, as you would do, he goes to check the fridge for the good stuff. And Mm -hmm. uh, do you know what he finds, Barry? He he does find the good stuff. He does Uh, find the good stuff. He manages to get a beer or two out of the uh, fridge. Um, But there's also a suspicious-looking device with a timer and lots of little wires, and it's counting backwards. (sighs) Pesky beer timers. Mm. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, no, it's a bomb, isn't it? Uh, it's a bomb, isn't it? <laughs> I didn't follow a, uh, a job in security. <laughs> Just, what's that, bomb? Yeah. It, it's, a very, <laughs> it's a very James Bond-type bomb, isn't it? I mean, you'd think that if you were going to make a bomb like that, it would be triggered by something or the opening the fridge the or, latch of the fridge yeah yeah but instead it's a it's a timer that gives you every opportunity to escape well that, they thought of that didn't they because they cut all the communication they did but the boat still has the ability to get to land they didn't know how far out they're going i suppose they knew they were going on a regatta that's true but you have a point if someone went into the boat and went well i'll, I'll get a beer for the journey oh there's a bomb never mind then stay home it, yeah, yeah. at what point do they discover the bomb and you're hedging your bets that they'll discover it at the furthest point from land? 
rather than five minutes in and turning around and going home. Yep. Also, could you do a Batman and just eat the bomb into the ocean? Well, I did think about this. Um, and we're hoping, or I would hope, that if they'd done it properly, it was somehow wired into the mechanism of the, the fridge or the boat. But yeah, never mentioned. So we have to assume. Yeah. This is one of the episodes... Actually, I was going to say, this is one of the episodes which, in modern days, wouldn't be as uh, calamitous because people take cell phones everywhere. Mm. So they'd yeah. be able to call emergency services like that. The great yeah. uh, writing conundrum, isn't it? Yep. People don't know how to write uh, books with a cell phone. So hence why the one of the reasons behind the huge interest in tales from the 70s and 80s and 90s period i guess they are period dramas aren't they yeah. um but because they don't know how to write particularly something like horror they don't yeah. know how to write in a mobile phone which is why often you'll see some nonsensical drop of signal uh, so they can just eliminate it can happen you know i grew up in scotland if you go up into into the hills your reception can be quite bad um, but usually you can contact Mountain Rescue in some way, you know. Mm. A number of teachers at my school were qualified Mountain Rescuers because, you know, it's a hilly place, Scotland. So, mm. <laughs> so just in case. You know? That's uh, different. I, I was born in one of the flatter parts of the country. <laughs> mountain Rescue would be a bit useless. Yeah. <laughs> What's the yeah. opposite of mountain rescue? Valley sacrifice. <laughs> That's what we had at school. <laughs> he does a double take, realizes it's a bomb, and goes, Well, I was going to go, Huh, no, his reaction's a bit more extreme. But <laughs> he yells, and Carla and Sam go, Oh, yeah, it is a bomb. <laughs> and they explore their options. Um, jumping off the boat isn't an option because they're sharks. And their dinghy's been slashed. Yeah, the dinghy's been reduced to a, a almost like a, a note. What would you call it? So, yeah, it's, a, it's a, not a warning because that implies that you're trying to protect them. It's it's simply a note which says, cold cord, you're going to die. Merely a notification is, is all it is. Yeah, it is. It's it, There's our uh, age... Um, mobile phone metaphor. <laughs> yeah, just. I mean, and that's a lot of work to go to. I mean, you've already slipped a bomb in the the fridge. <laughs> I don't yeah, know what I, you need to. I, I think they'd get the message. You know, <laughs> it's, it's almost like an escape room. Let's let's put loads of little hints about your um, yeah. escape in there. You've heard the um, Hitchcock metaphor about about bombs. Uh. You know, refresh my memory, James. It's he talks about the difference between fear and and suspense or terror and suspense, where people described his films as horror and he shut them down by giving a metaphor about a bomb. Have you heard about this? But you please, please enlighten me. He said, if you watched footage of of or if you watched a movie of people on a train or some kind of vehicle and it blew up at the end. That would be shock, you'd, and you'd be uh, scared by those events. If you see the bomb, and then you see the people, you spend the rest of the time wondering when it will go off, and that's suspense. Mm. 
And I went, uh, I see where you're coming at, uh, Alfie. Yeah. Mm, yeah. There was a. Have you ever seen the film Galaxy Quest? Yes. There's a lovely scene with a bomb in that uh, where they defuse the bomb, but because it's a exists in a sort of parody Star Wars, a Star mm. Trek universe, the bomb doesn't stop until it reaches one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's a great film isn't it just when they i forgot what the occasion was but when they were doing uh sunshine was doing like star trek day you know it's like sci-fi as a channel or something so they showed you know star trek film like the whole day it was star trek show they still films and you know notable notable episodes such as the shatner hurricane and they also put galaxy quest in there <laughs> And it is, it is a, a, out of that same universe, isn't it? I mean, it's a direct parody, really. Exactly. Yeah, it's a great film. So where were we? Oh, yes. So they've explored their options. Uh, there are none left except for get to shore as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, oh, again, suggesting this bomb is a really poorly laid plan if, <laughs> because they make it. In fact, it's, it's, it, it's literally the cut is let's get to shore and then the next scene, they're in the bar. Yep. Oh, we're at shore. Didn't have the budget to to do a uh, diving away from the explosion. Mm. But they do they do describe it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very low key, isn't it? Saw my hair pass before my eyes. It's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. Really? I mean, we we just barely made it to this little inlet, right? We jumped off the boat onto the beach. We ran about fifty yards. And this baby exploded like a Roman candle. I'm telling you, there were bits of boat everywhere. Unbelievable. That is truly horrifying. Yeah. yeah. They do seem shooketh by uh, the events, though. Uh, they, they do. You've, you've dramatised that word quite well. Yeah. Uh, Sam, Carla, and Norm. Because they said they only ran about 50 yards or something like this. Yeah, 50 yards uh, before the, the bomb blew up. So they were barely out of range. Yep. Um, but the only wound to speak of is uh norm has a, a cut on his finger uh again yeah. from opening one of the the beers yeah true to form true, true to, to norm form. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i see what you did there uh, i think we all saw what <laughs> you did. so you know the rest of the rest of the Gang got quite quite supportive and like oh that Frazier you know says like oh that must have been a quite quite terrible thing to go through and they're like yeah well just glad we made it back you know and most of the gang leaves and it's Sam and Carla and Norm left ah uh, yes yeah, so Sam says he wants to spend a little time with his friends yeah. um, that he's almost lost yeah um, but just before that Frazier is the last one out of the bar there's a nice line as he leaves where Sam is. Uh, consoling him about the loss of the money and asks if he's worried about Lilith's reaction. And Fraser says that, you know, Lilith really is um, actually quite a compassionate woman and very forgiving. Yeah. And uh, so Sam says, okay, well, you're going home now then. And Fraser says, no way. I'm staying in a hotel for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a pragmatic man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that leaves just the three of them, our three sailors yep. in the bar. Um, and they're lamenting Robin's lack of um, sympathy, lack of reaction uh, when he walks into the bar. He, he just heard what happened. Based on just body language, he seems that he's there out of 
concern. And mm. then he starts speaking. And he tries to get Sam to sign some waivers, which he makes sound as if they're for Sam's benefit. I imagine they're very much for his own corporate liability or something similar. Corporate liability. The thing is, if they were insurance things, just to say the bomb exploded, just sign here and say that, you know, you didn't cause said destruction. Fine. Yeah. (laughs) I'm happy with that, you know. Mm. But it was the callousness that he just came in and went, sign these, boy. Yeah, yeah. You know. (laughs) And and we never made aware of what they would be signing, but the... You're right, the body language suggests it's something sort of... He's treating their instant, their near-death experience almost as a business transaction. Yeah. And again, it would be fine if he went in, at first demonstrated compassion, care, sympathy, whatever, and then went, there's an insurance settlement or, or whatever, I want to give you some of that because of the trauma you went through. That's fine. But just essentially it came across as kind of hush money. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And it gets worse because he he literally does offer, he asks how much Sam's life is worth uh, and goes to write a check for him. That Yeah, that's, that's bad. It is. Although yeah. I'm quite pragmatic. I think in that situation I'd just take it. Um, but it, Sam takes quite an affront to this. Which I totally understand. Um, I'm just saying I I would rarely get a chance at that much money in my life, so <laughs> I'm willing to debase myself uh, in order to get it. I think I would take it only not because of of any kind of debasement, but because I can take the money and still have the kind of attitude, you know. Mm. I, I wasn't being the boat exploded. It's not that it's a secret, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's not like people are being like. Uh, did you hear about that boat exploding? Shh, nothing happened. You know, so I'm like, yeah, take the money. You know, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't affect my behavior or actions. Mm. But Sam is defiant. Uh, he sends Robin away with his tail between his legs. Not that Robin cares. Yeah. Um, and says, nope, I don't want your money. Robin says, fine, I'm off. At which point the other two, Carla and Norm, come in, um, find out that Sam has rejected a vast sum of money and our final scene is them running after Robin out of the bar. Yeah. Abandoning their captain. Yes. Yeah. Which to be honest, they'd done long before in the episode. (laughs) Yeah. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think Sam does kind of represent the captain of the good ship cheers. He does. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And they certainly look up to him as a captain. Yes. With the, perhaps the exception of Rebecca. Yeah, Rebecca's that that rebellious skipper, which I think is a different role than captain. Oh, look, Barry, a mysterious parcel. Oh, is that come by by boat? It has come by boat. Luckily, it's just beer and and some trivia. That's (laughs) nice, isn't it? It is, it is. Had you all worried for a bit there. (laughs) (laughs) So what explosive trivia do we have today? As usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. Uh, Which pier is Rebecca kept at? Uh, Rebecca, the boat, uh, is kept at Pier 17 at the Yacht Club. That's true. Yeah. 
What is, and this is fairly topical, uh, what is Fraser's child called? Freddie. I thought you'd pick up on that. Mm. Yeah. And for the listeners, that's the name of my own little boy. Yeah. It's a fun connection. It would be bad if I got the answer wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. How much does Rebecca pay Carla not to make sexual jokes about her? Oh, now this is a question. I'm going to make a guess. It's, it's in total. Yes. So my guess is based on the last one. This is the joke about the, Rebecca taking three men. Uh, Carla gives her for free. Buy four, get one free. So there's four transactions. And I seem to remember there's two fives and a ten. So I'm going to guess $20. It is $20 indeed. Woo-ha! <laughs> How many secret security men does Robin have incognito in the bar? Seven. No. Oh. Um, <laughs> and this, I, guess. I, I, I can't say for sure this is accurate, but this is the figure that Sam says in the episode, and it's 12. A, a dozen, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. He's a small man, though. <laughs> just get four. <laughs> if, they're, if they're the size of The Rock or Jason Momoa, you just need four of them. Yeah, one on each side. Yeah. You're safe. What are the names of the other boats in the vase? Oh, that is a good question. I can almost hear it because I was waiting for Rebecca. And so I had to sit through the other... Oh, I don't know. Sorry, you've stumped me there. It's Orion... Mickey G and Blue Horizon. Blue Horizon, that's one I remembered because that's... Um... Nice name. Mm, yeah. Right. Uh, lovely. Okay, I've got one more for you. What hotel does Fraser say he's staying at for two weeks? Oh, it's got a shh sound. It so has. Uh, it's uh, Sheraton? Yes. Oh, oh Sheridan or Sheraton. Uh, yeah. It might, might be either, but yes, that's the Sheridan. Yeah. Very good. That's last call. I think I uh, think I know what drink we'll go for. Is it something explosive, James? It is. Yeah, it's a, it's a Jaeger bomb. <laughs> uh, I love a Jaeger bomb. I'm I, I'm occasionally partial to them, but it's not my go-to. I'm not going to be like, oh yeah, I'll I'll have this lovely meal uh, and a Jaeger bomb. <laughs> A Jägerbomb chaser for a pie and mash. <laughs> My innards would, uh, they would be most upset. Well, maybe you could make a hollow in the mash uh, <laughs> and mix your Jägerbomb <laughs> in there. Jäger mash. <laughs> Jäger mash sounds like some kind of German children's TV show. <laughs> it does. Like Danger Mouse. Yeah. The translation of Danger Mouse is Jäger Mash. Jäger Mash, yeah. <laughs> a Jäger Bomb isn't something that really exists in my world anymore. I do quite like the drink, but it was it served a purpose uh when I was more socially active, um throwing shapes around various noisy venues. Um a Jäger Bomb would come in quite handy. I to... think I've only had two in my life, but you know, after this episode, I need to have a third. Yeah, well, let's let's make that a Jaeger bomb, and perhaps we could sway as we're drinking it to simulate the ocean waves. Recipe for disaster. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> well, thank you, James. We've reached our port, uh, and it's been wonderful chatting to you. Mm-hmm. 